Thank you. You may be seated. Wonderful singing this morning. As I said, it is a joy uh, to be with you. And if you'll turn in your Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter 15. Second Chronicles chapter 15. I'd just like to make mention uh, that it is a privilege to bring the Word of God to you this morning and to know that uh, that will be the norm going forward. Uh, it is a sobering thing, and I do not take it lightly that you have felt led of the Lord to call me to this task, and I want to sincerely thank you for entrusting me to do this sacred work. We'll take time to read uh, all of the chapter just to get uh, the flavor of of the context. We'll be focusing on one verse, uh, but this will give us a good background as we meditate this morning. So let us begin reading 2 Chronicles 15 and verse 1. Let us hear the word of God. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season, Israel hath been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought Him, He was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to Him that went out nor to Him that came in, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. And nation was destroyed of nation and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. For they fell to him in Israel, out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa. And they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought, seven hundred oxen and seven thousand sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. And they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice, and with shouting, and with trumpets, and with cornets. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart, and sought him with their whole desire. And he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest round about. And also concerning Makkah, the mother of Asa, the king, he removed her from being the queen because she had made an idol in a grove. And Asa cut down her idol and stumped it and burnt it at the brook Kidron. But the high places were not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days. 
And he brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated, and that he himself had dedicated, silver and gold and vessels. And there was no more war unto the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. Amen. Trust the Lord to bless the reading of his inspired and fallible word to our hearts. Let us pray one last time and ask for the Lord's help. Our Heavenly Father, we come briefly one last time asking Thee for Thy help, O Lord. We trust Thee to attend the preaching of Thy Word. We trust Thee to bless the Word and take it beyond uh, what any man can do, Lord. Thou art the one that controls and has Thy way in the hearts of men. And we all need Thee, Lord, to embed this Word into our hearts. And we pray, dear God, please pour out Thy Spirit upon us now and attend this very sacred time when Thy Word is opened. And bless it, O Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the text that I want to focus on with you at the beginning of this year, and it will be a text for the year, uh, a motto text if you like, Something for us to be reminded of, to remind each other of throughout the year, to provoke one another unto love and good works with it. And it is verse 7 of chapter 15, the statement of the prophet to Asa and the people, Be ye strong therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. That will be the text that I trust will be impressed upon us by the Lord this day and throughout the year. A brief uh, word about the context. We're in the reign of Asa, as you know from our reading. And Asa is recorded as a good king, one of the few. But we're told of him in 2 Chronicles 14.2. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Not a perfect king, we know, uh, but his heart uh, was right with the Lord, at least in most ways. He sought reform in the days in which he lived, days of great apostasy, days when Israel was worshiping uh, false gods, numerous false gods, and all manner of, of wickedness was going on, and yet he felt compelled to seek God and to endeavor to reform. And we see Asa, as we see kings in the scripture and all, all the kings in some fashion, typify our Lord Jesus Christ. As imperfect as they are, they have elements uh, in them and in their lives that typify our Lord Jesus. And we'll say more about that in a moment. But Asa's life was a life marked by seeking God. And it was also a life marked by not seeking God. At the beginning of his life and through most of his reign, he's marked as one who seeks God. And yet at the end, we see him fail to seek God. Let that be a lesson to us, to stay close to the Lord, for even the most faithful can stray away. But that's just a brief word about Asa, just to give us an idea further of the context. I want us to meditate on this verse, verse 7. As it relates to Asa and his people, yes, in its context, I want us to see that. But more importantly, I want us to see it as it relates to Christ and his people. This text has ultimate significance 
as it relates to our Lord Jesus Christ. We can rightly say that even though this was a word to Asa historically, yet as Christ is the true King of Israel, it is a word to Him. In His humanity, Christ had to stay close to the Lord. In His humanity, Christ had to seek God all the days of His life. And we see Him doing that all throughout His life, giving Himself to prayer. And I want you to think of these words as they are said to Christ and to us through Christ. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. The basic sense of this text really is that if God's people strengthen themselves in the Lord, persevere through dark days, and do the work appointed for them, then God will reward them with a manifestation of His presence and further enable them to do His work. Now I'll develop that more, but that is the basic sense of this text as you see it. And so I want to speak to you today, briefly and simply, about pressing on in the work of God. Pressing on in the work of God. The first thing I want us to notice from this text is the difficulty of the day. The difficulty of the day. We read in verse 7, Be ye strong, therefore. Or we could say, therefore, be ye strong. That word, therefore, obviously points us back to what has already been written. And specifically in verses 3 through 6. And it tells us something about the day in which these people were living. It tells us that it was a difficult day. What was so difficult about this day? Well, we can see that it was spiritually dark in this day. See, in verse 3, it says, Now for a long season Israel had been without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without law. Now what all's involved in that? Without the true God, without a teaching priest, without the law. Well, really, what it is in this spiritual darkness of the day is that people were given to idolatry. People were full of ignorance. And there was absolute lawlessness. They were without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without law. They weren't without gods. They had many false gods in the land. They weren't without truth, as it were. And yet, but there was no one teaching the truth. They were without a teaching priest. And they were lawless. They were without law. Every man doing that which was right in his own eyes. Now, I don't think I have to draw the parallel very strongly for you to see that we live in a very similar day. We are surrounded by false religion. We are surrounded by by people with hard hearts. People who hate Christ. People who despise the gospel. And anyone who stands for the gospel. We live as they did in spiritually dark days. And therefore they are difficult. They are difficult and they are discouraging. But not only were they spiritually dark. 
they were physically dangerous. We can see that as well in verses 5 through 6, where it says, In those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in, that is, in and out of the kingdom. But great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries, and nation was destroyed of nation and city of city. For God did vex them with all adversity. That's a very important thing to note as well. It was a spiritually dark time. There were places uh, that claimed uh, to be places of truth, no doubt. There were uh, places of worship scattered around, and yet, like today, there are many false churches. And we are in a land full of paganism. But the physically dangerous part comes from the fact that the nations are warring. Now, we haven't seen what they saw to the same degree, but we've gotten a taste of it over the years. And you can see how easily things change on a dime when nations go to war. How supplies break down. How you lose access to various things. How it becomes difficult to travel from country to country. How it becomes difficult to go about normal life. Like I said, we haven't seen it to the same degree as they were seeing it, but we've gotten a taste of it. And it can become greater and worse for us as it did for them. But it was a time of great hostility. There was no peace to him that went out nor to him that came in. Great vexations upon all the inhabitants of the countries. It was a time of great adversity, hardship. Why was there all this hardship and this adversity, these vexations, no peace? It was due to the sins of the nations. Due to the idolatry of the people. That is why we read, for God did vex them with all adversity. This was the judgment of God upon the nations and the chastisement of God upon His people. That's a sobering thing for us today. When you look around us in our community, when you look around this nation and you see how wicked and ungodly the age in which we live is, we have to view it rightly. That it is a result of God giving us over due to the sin. We live in a day where people are so delusional and so influenced by demonic forces that they believe a false reality and they mutilate themselves for life. That's the work of Satan. And he's enabled, he's allowed to do it because God allows it. The difficulty of the day. Put yourself here. These are God's people. Asa and Judah and Benjamin. These these people who are trying to be faithful. Who are seeking the Lord. And we'll get to that in a moment. What that involves. But they're seeking to reform. They're seeking to be a light. They're seeking to do the work of God. In a difficult day. So are we. But even though it was a difficult day, 
And even though uh, it was very dark and it was dangerous and it seemed like it was going to get worse and worse, they knew and they're reminded here that the Lord is able and the Lord is willing to turn the people back to Him. That's what we come to in verse 7. The therefore shows us the difficulty of the day. But then secondly, I want you to see this. The command to be strong. Very simple points today. The difficulty of the day. The command to be strong. Be ye strong and let not your hands be weak. This command is given in light of the difficulty of the day. That is the point as you see the flow of the language. You're set up with this backdrop of this horrible, difficult day. This dark spiritual time in the life of these nations and Israel and Judah specifically. And in light of that, this command comes, be ye strong. It's a time to be strong. Not a time to be weak. Now I want us to dig in a little more to what this actually means. What does it mean, be ye strong? What is the Lord telling them to do? We might read that and say, but I'm so weak. How do you expect me to be strong? can barely uh, drag myself through each day with all that's bombarding me from the world. But the Lord tells us, be ye strong. And I want to suggest to you and, and develop this with you that this is a command for us to stir up ourselves and take hold of God. That that's what's involved in this word and this command, be ye strong. It's a command for us to stir up ourselves and take hold of God. And so it is primarily spiritual. Surely there's a historical element where they literally needed to gird up their minds so they were going to pull down the altars and everything that they did. But primarily, it's a spiritual strength that's needed. And so when we see this word strong, it occurs several times in your Old Testament. And it's translated in a number of very interesting ways. And the reason I say it has the idea of taking hold of God is because of a couple texts that are translated uh, in that fashion. The first one is 2 Chronicles 7, verse 22. You don't have to turn to these if you want them. I'm just going to reference them. We're told in 2 Chronicles 7, 22, this is the word used in a negative and it shall be answered, because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, this is referring to Israel, which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore hath he brought all this evil upon them. That's the word, and laid hold on other gods. And so when they laid hold on other gods, the judgment of God came. But that's the word, laid hold on. So it can be translated that way. The other is Isaiah 64 verse 7. We're told in Isaiah 64 verse 7, And there is none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. But that's the word. 
take hold of thee. That stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. Taking hold of God. That's the word. And we see someone doing this in Scripture. We see it exemplified in a numerous amount of people, but especially in David. David, we see in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. That's the word. The word strong that we read in 2 Chronicles 15.7 is translated encouraged himself in the Lord his God. So what did David do? David took hold of God. David took hold of God's truth, took hold of God himself. No doubt he did that through prayer and meditation upon what was true about God even in the midst of his circumstance, which we're not going to get into. But I trust you see this, that as that word is translated strong, it has the idea that they would stir up themselves, and take hold of God in the midst of these dark and difficult days that they're in. Because by taking hold of Him, there will be a change in them and in the day. And brothers and sisters, that is the same for us. We stir up ourselves by God's grace and take hold of Him, there will be a change in ourselves, and God willing, there will be a change in the day. And so that's what this is a command for us to do. That was what the command for them was. And this command is repeated in reverse. If you notice that, it's repeated in reverse to emphasize His importance. Not only does He say, be ye strong, But then he reverses it and says, let not your hands be weak. And it's emphasizing there that this is essential. In light of the difficulty of your day, it's essential all the time, but especially in these circumstances and where you are, this is essential. You must be strong, you cannot be weak. And that word weak has the idea of slack or faint. And so we could say, The command is to stir up yourself and take hold of God and to not be slack or faint in taking hold of God. To not allow that to go by the wayside as you go through the difficult day. But to make it your first and primary task to strengthen yourself, encourage yourself in the Lord. And so very simply... From this, you and I need to stir up ourselves and take hold of God. Well, how do we do that? How did He expect them to do that? Well, it is always through the appointed means that God has given us. His means of grace. Well, how do we do that? Just a couple things that you and I can do to obey this command to be strong. First is daily communion with Him. Daily communion with with Him, with God, through His Word, seeking Him in prayer, both privately and with our families. That is His appointed means for strengthening ourselves in Him. Daily communion with Him. The other is weekly Sabbath observance. Weekly Sabbath observance. 
And I say that because of the other places where this word occurs. You see in Isaiah 56 verse 2, we're told specifically regarding the Sabbath day. Blessed is the man that doeth this, and the son of man that layeth hold on it, that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and keepeth his hand from doing any evil. Layeth hold on it. That is the Sabbath. Laying hold on it. In Isaiah 56 verse 6, Also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve Him and to love the name of the Lord, to be His servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and taketh hold of my covenant. If you remember, the Sabbath was given as a covenant. And today, what do we do when we gather on the Lord's day? We are taking hold of the covenant that God has made with us through Christ. We come here to observe the Lord's day, the Lord's resurrection day. We come here to be reminded of the victory that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ through the merits of His precious blood. Shed for our souls. And as we do that, brothers and sisters, we're taking hold of God's day. And we are using it as a means of growing in grace and and strengthening ourselves in the Lord in the midst of a difficult day. So His daily communion with Him. The day in, day out, getting alone with God. Weekly Sabbath observance and frequent corporate prayer. I would suggest to you frequent corporate prayer. Not just the midweek prayer meeting, but when we're together. Have you ever noticed how when you get together with people and you talk about the difficulty of the day or the things that are going on? I have to kick myself sometimes because how few times in the midst of those discussions, do we stop and say, let's pray. Let's seek the Lord about this. We're we're here, we're, we're together, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst, and yet we fail to use the appointed means. But if we did that, how it would calm the soul, how it would refocus our minds and our hearts upon what is true, upon the fact that God is sovereign, upon the fact that He is able to change the day. And He is able to revive His people. So frequent corporate prayer. And I say that not just off the top of my head. I say that because you see that in Asa. You see that in what they're doing. In Second Chronicles 15, the chapter we're in, verse 12, as we read, they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. Now there's more in that word seeking Him than prayer, but I suggest to you that prayer is not excluded. Prayer is included in that. To seek the Lord God of their fathers. In chapter 14, verse 11, we see Asa doing this in the midst of distress. Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on Thee, and in Thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, Thou art our God. Let not man prevail against Thee. That's a man given over to prayer in the midst of distress, calling out to God. So daily communion with Him, 
weekly Sabbath observance, and frequent corporate prayer. And who is this all exemplified most in? Who is the ultimate example of this laying hold of God and obeying this command to be strong? It is our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're looking for an example of these things, you see it all in Him. He who frequented the Lord's house, taught in the temple, he who had daily communion, even night long, communion with God in prayer and with His disciples. We see it all in Him. In His humanity taking hold of God the Father. So the difficulty of the day, the command to be strong. And before we leave that, just to note, when we engage in these activities that we've noted, when we engage in them with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our desire, then our hearts are stirred. They will be stirred and our eyes opened. And we will realize that as we set out to take hold of God, God has taken hold of us. That is what happens. It is not that we are so strong and we are so mighty we're going to take hold of God. No, it's Him stirring us. And when we use His appointed means, He takes hold of us. And that's what we desire. And that's what's involved in this command. Be ye strong. And let not your hands be weak. Thirdly, I want you to see the work to be done. The work to be done. For your work, your work. What is the work referred to here? Well, the work to be done in this context, as I've already mentioned, is seeking. You can see that in several verses. In verse 2, the prophet tells him, If you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. In verse 4, But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. Verse 12, the covenant that they entered into to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. And then verse 15, all Judah rejoiced at the oath for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire and he was found of them. So it is seeking. That, that's the work in this context to be done. And what all is involved in that? I already mentioned to you prayer is involved in that. It's implied because that is they are seeking God and as they are praying, they are also reforming. It's reformation. You see that in the actions of Asa in what he does. In verse 2, where, where he's told about seeking him and if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. The idea of forsaking him, that is casting aside his truth, casting aside his precepts. In verse 8, after he takes courage from this word, from Azariah, he puts away the abominable idols out of the land of Judah. That's reform. He renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. That's reform. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and they made the covenant. He is endeavoring to reform. He's endeavoring to take the people closer to God in obedience to His Word. And involved in Reformation, there is the pursuit of holiness. 
They were pursuing holiness, pursuing separation unto God. The nation is given to idolatry and paganism and wickedness. And Asa is leading the charge of holiness, separation unto God. Matthew Henry writes concerning this covenant that they made in verse 12, that it involved these, at least these two things, that they would diligently seek God themselves, seek His precepts and His favor, that they would, secondly, to the utmost of their power, oblige others to do so. That they would seek God themselves and to the utmost of their power, oblige others to do so. That was the work to be done in this context. And we see many parallels, don't we? In very many ways, that's our work. We can add more to it, but that's our work. Prayer, reformation, the pursuit of holiness in ourselves and in each other and in those in this community. Why do we witness to people about Christ? To see them converted and to see them brought back to a reconciled relationship with God. But I want us to, to zoom out, as it were, and, and, and broaden this context I said at the beginning this has ultimate reference when we think of Christ and how this is said to Him. And I want us to consider the work in the broader context of the Bible. Be ye strong, therefore, let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Think of that as it is said to Christ. Your work shall be rewarded. What work? Christ's work of redemption. Everything that He took upon Himself for your sake and for my sake to redeem our souls to God. His obedience to the law of God. A life given over to fulfilling every precept. To fulfilling everything written in the law of God. Leaving nothing undone. That is His work. His satisfaction of God's justice on the cross. Taking, as was prayed earlier, every drop of the wrath of God that was deserved by sinners. Christ took it all on the cross. His reformation of our hearts by His Holy Spirit. That is His work. That is His work that He will be rewarded for. Because He he gains His people that He has purchased. He has suffered for them, bled for them, lived for them, died for them. And as he did that work, the Father says to him, your work shall be rewarded. Christ comes into the temple in his ministry. You know he did that twice. He comes in and cleanses the temple. In the midst of a dark spiritual day, he comes in to God's temple and cleanses it of its idolatry and its wickedness. And what we have there is a picture of what Christ does in us We are called the temple of His Holy Spirit. And He comes into us by the Holy Spirit. And He renovates this temple. And He sets us, takes us off the path of wickedness, sets us on the path of righteousness. That is His work. So the work to be done. The work to be done. Fourthly and finally. I want you to see the reward to be gained. The reward to be gained. 
Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Your work shall be rewarded. There was much involved in this in the context, but just limiting it to these two things in the context, the reward was really God Himself. I submit that to you from verses 4 and 15 because when you see them seeking the Lord, it is for Him to return to Israel. He has given them up to judgment, to chastisement, and so when He returns, He brings rest. That's what we read of in verse 15, that that was the manifestation of His reward, and the Lord gave them rest round about. In verses In verses 5 and 6, we read of the turmoil, the chaos, all the difficulty that's going on there. And we see the reverse of it. In verse 15, the Lord gave them rest round about. There was no peace. It was difficult to do their work, and yet God gave them rest and enabled them to do their work. That is what he does. He's able to turn the tide. He's able to turn the people back. And it wasn't fully. We know the history goes on. But that's partially because of the failure of the people. The failure of the king. And so as we think about this. We have a king who will never fail. We have a king who's fully earned this reward. And it will never be taken. We'll get to that more in a second. You're given an overview of Asa's reign in chapter 14. It says that in verse 6, this is just the overview that you're given there, and he built fenced cities in Judah for the land had rest. And he had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. That's the overview, and then chapter 15 gives you more of the details in between. But you see that he was able to do the work of God. He was able to reform because the Lord gave him rest. The Lord prospered prospered his efforts to reform. But you think of this again in the broader context as it relates to Christ. Your work shall be rewarded. The Son of God became a man in order to earn His people's right to be in the immediate presence of God. That's what they had lost in Israel. They had, the glory was, had departed for the time. And they wanted God's presence. And Christ has earned our right to be in the immediate presence of God and to never lose that. That is the blessing of the new covenant. I will be their God. They shall be my people. What was Christ's motivation as we look at that? Your work shall be rewarded. What was He looking to when He went through His sufferings? At least two things. His position and the souls of His people. We're told in Isaiah 52.13 regarding Christ, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. And the sense of that is in light of his prudent dealing, in light of his wise working and the performance of that which was appointed for him, he earns exaltation. He earns extolation. And he earns the right to be made very high. And what do we see after Christ 
is risen from the dead, he ascends and sits at the right hand of God the Father, ruling and reigning in the midst of his enemies. So he saw his position. That was part of his reward that motivated him to do his work. And we see the souls of his people. Isaiah 53, 11. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. In light of all that he has done, I will reward him. He shall be satisfied with his work. His position in the souls of his people. And the fullness of his reward will be when the Father makes every knee bow to him. And every tongue confess that he is Lord. And we, you and I, brothers and sisters, we have assurance of our reward in light of this text. This promise that we're looking at. Why can we come to this promise and, and take it with us through the year? Because we have assurance of our reward because of Christ. Because of our union with Him. Christ has earned the reward by His obedience and sufferings. And that is our motivation. When you, when you need to be motivated to take hold of God and to do the work appointed for you, it is looking to the reward that is purchased for you by Christ. A crown laid up in glory that you will one day take and then cast at His feet. As the Apostle Paul said, similar theme. 1 Corinthians 15.58 Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Asa <clears throat> earned a partial fulfillment of this promise. He was told in verse 2, If you seek Him, He will be found of you, but if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. Christ earned a complete fulfillment. The same words were said to Him, but he never forsook God. He never failed. And it is because of him that we can lay hold of this promise. He is the true, the ultimate, and only sinless king of God's people. Who fully accomplished his work of redemption and was rewarded by the Father with an exalted position, the souls of his people, and the unceasing advance of his kingdom. And that is what we plead before God. Father, you have promised thy son the reward for his sufferings. Grant the manifestation of them in our day. Take this promise with you throughout this year. Plead it before God on behalf of this church and all those in it. Plead it on behalf of our denomination. Plead it to the Father in the name of Christ. For his glory, for his name's sake. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, 
we are humbled by such a text. That you would command us to such things. But we know that thou will give us the grace to obey that command. We know it will not be perfect. But we thank thee for he whose obedience is perfect. We thank thee for the Son of God. We thank thee for our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee that he has paved the way before us. And perfectly took hold of God. Finished his work. And has been promised the reward. Lord we ask. In light of this promise that you have given to Christ and to his people. That you will O God reward our work here. O Lord. There's been much work done in this body over the years. There's been much done. And there is still much to do. And we plead before Thee. Lord, You have said, Your work shall be rewarded. O Lord, we bring Thy word before Thee. And ask Thee in the name of Christ, reward our work. O Lord, all the work that's behind us and all the work that is before us, Oh God, grant us. Grant us the outpouring of Thy Spirit. Grant us to see souls saved. Grant us to see saints edified. Grant us to see all of us thriving in holiness with God and pursuing Thee with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Hear our prayers, we ask. Bless this Word to us. Burn away the chaff. Let nothing remain in the minds of of thy people, but that which is of God. We ask it all in Jesus' name.